Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey there, Colin. We're a little late this week, As but uh, I'm seeing Texas A&M people all over Columbia right now. Yeah, I guess they enjoy watching a slaughter. Apparently, they seem to be excited about a possible win. I don't know where you get that idea. What do you think? Are you dispirited? Very much so. I don't expect us to win, though... Texas A&M did lose to Mississippi State and almost lost to uh, somebody else. Hell, I don't remember. And Arkansas had their way with them. I mean, if there's a team capable of shitting the bed against a team like Mizzou, Texas A&M is certainly capable. Sure. Yeah, the last time they came to town, we won the SEC East. It seems like things have changed a bit. Yep, it's all turned to hot dog water since then. Hot dog water. Yeah. By the way, I was uh, I was speaking to a guy named Brian Goers. I don't know if you've heard of him or not. But anyway, he thought Vaguely. maybe I'd been a little negative about Drinkwitz on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, well, I always hate to agree with uh, Brian, but uh, here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I, I, I continue to walk it back. I'm walking it back. I contend that when a guy has the worst rushing defense of all of college football, even if he's not the defensive coordinator, he is the CEO, and questions can be asked without you being a monster. I guess, but uh, depicting him, I think the uh, depiction is the monorail salesman from S- The Simpsons. Anybody who knew that reference may have thought that was a little, a bridge too far, <laughs> making it turn him into yeah. a flim flam man, a second story man, as it were. Yeah, well, I'll hold on to that uh, little quip for four years from now. Hey, and yeah, the, Brendan, I mean, like in two years, if ever, everybody may agree with you, and uh, we will be the first people to have made that uh, that association, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun with it. I hope it doesn't. That doesn't happen, though. <laughs> Me too. And, I, and I'll say that I never said he was. I said, is anybody concerned that he might be? You know what I mean? And that's a different thing than saying this guy is. But anyway, it's I brought it out. I, I aired it. It's it's on me. Anyway, Colin, enough about that. You know, I, I've got a guy, Robert Barron from uh, Texas A&M's SB Nation site. He's going to talk to us about this Texas A&M team. And I just got a feeling that he's going to have a little more confidence going into this week's game than he did going into last week's game. Yeah. The line is still is it nine, nine and a half, half. now. I, I hadn't seen it move and that had surprised me all week. I just expected it to move. It makes me nervous about taking yeah. any money on that line. When you look at everything holistically and you see, like you said, what they did against Mississippi State or didn't do, and against Arkansas and against Colorado, the teams like that, it makes sense. It does make sense. I mean, but the team we saw last week beats Mizzou by three touchdowns easily. I, I just was like, I know we're living in a world where vaccines have now become a little bit of a uh, sort of a touchy subject. Not everybody's buying in. I thought, did Texas A&M all get polio since the Alabama game and we just don't know about it? <laughs> that was certainly the way I felt after having watched the Alabama game and after having watched the second half of the Mizzou game. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think we everyone in the world would agree that Vegas knows more than we do. That's true. But I just, just I'm, I'm the, I, this line, the only way to explain it is Texas A&M has polio. <laughs> well, last year we barely beat Arkansas. No, it was two years, was it two years ago? Whenever the entire team of Arkansas had like measles or something, some very preventable disease. <laughs> yeah. And we still barely won. Yeah. Barry yeah. Odom, raw. No, I yeah, mean, I think right. Colin, um, turning things to a positive note, there are reasons to think that this, this could be one of those games that we steal. I mean, we look at some of our losses. You look at the Kentucky loss, and Kentucky's obviously much better than we gave them credit for. And the fact that we were a one score away from tying that game, 
is looking better and better for us, I guess. And then Boston College is a good team. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're a good team. We, uh, we took them to overtime. Really what it is for me. I mean, the thing that just put me in the dumps was the Tennessee game, you know, and then, and that I overcorrected after that Tennessee game because it was fucking miserable and we were there and we got to see it. And it was just, I mean, I watching that game, it was like comparable to having to sit down and watch somebody throw puppies into a wood chipper. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like that, but sure. uh, which I, you know, I didn't sign up for that. No, no. I did want to talk to this guy, Robert Barron, because he's followed Anim all year, and I want to ask him about their backup quarterback and who is he, and if this version of him that we saw against Alabama is the real deal, because he's kind of been a career backup and much maligned amongst A and M circles, and now all of a sudden he was the answer. Well, I, I if I'm him, I'd say it's going to be hard to know. I mean, I if he's if he's capable of dealing with having all day to throw, then he should be okay against Mizzou. Well, and the other thing, Colin, is like it almost doesn't matter. I'm sure they're worried about which version of him is going to show up, but it almost doesn't matter because as long as he has the capability of handing the ball to another human who can run forward, that's been our Achilles heel. Yeah. People running forward. No, that's true. And you know, on the on the off chance that they need to throw, you know, he's going to have a solid six to eight seconds to do that. So it's a uh, based on our defensive line play. So I mean, I think I think he's a. Uh, you know, this is a pretty good ma- favorable matchup if you're a backup quarterback. I agree. Well, you want to just get into it now and hear what someone who knows what they're talking about thinks and not just an angry tweeter? Well, hi, I'm. All right. Onward and upward. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. Gonna throw it. Slam. This bugs for you, Mizzou. Don't be afraid to be great. It don't get no better than that, man. He's like wide open receiver across midfield. Still going. Missouri. Amazing. Where's the noise? This is the Mazat Cat. Joining the show now is Robert Barron's managing editor for GoodBullHunting.com, here to talk to us about Texas A&M. And Robert, I feel like we have a weird relationship with Texas A&M. We, we, you know, we've known each other since the Big Twelve days, but we've not really ever been in the same division. We haven't played each other nearly as much as some of the other conference foes. But we've also had some really good games in our history. I just feel like the games have been so sporadic. It's never felt like a rivalry. It, it doesn't feel that way to you, does it? I would say it doesn't either. Yeah, because we've never had that annual game that develops a lot of hate. And just the way the games have fallen, either based on the schedule or the team's relative strength from year to year, I feel like there's never been a whole bunch on the line when A&M and Missouri have faced off. So yeah, it's always been, even though we've, like you said, played you guys going on decades now, there's never been a lot of hate involved. The most memorable game I can think of, of course, with the Texas A&M versus Mizzou was in 2013 when the, the Tigers beat Johnny Manziel at Furrow Field to clinch the SEC East and go to Georgia. That was a big game for Missourians, but I can also imagine why Texas A&M fans don't really care too much about that particular season. <laughs> but this one, we're in a different situation. Texas A&M is coming off of a huge win against Alabama, and Missouri has struggled all season long. He's sitting at 3-3 three and three with all kinds of defensive woes. When we watched Texas A&M beat Alabama and the line came out the next day that Missouri was like an eight, eight and a half, nine point underdog. I mean, I wanted to reach out to my bookie right away and say that Texas A&M is going to win by 20 or 30 points. But this is not the same Texas A&M we've seen in other games. So what is 
the Texas A&M football team this year, and what do we expect to see when they're playing on Saturday? To be honest, I think that's the question that we all want answered, and I think that is the big question in this game because you know i think a big motivator in that line being as low as it is i think it's right around seven and a half the last time i checked is that while if you're looking just at last week yeah anum took down bama and anum you know it wasn't even a fluky game anum just looked like they played better than alabama but obviously vegas does their homework vegas also saw how anum played against colorado against arkansas against mississippi state Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. And it looked like almost a totally different team. And so, yeah, the question is, like, was this a team growing up and figuring some things out? Or was this a team who just had that one game that was their Super Bowl and they played above their head and they just had the perfect game plan and had a few things go their way? Certainly as an A&M fan, we're hoping it's the latter. And a few talking points to where I think you can talk yourself into this A&M team really taking the next step is just guys, I think, getting a lot more experience in two positions in particular. Obviously, at quarterback with Zach Calzada thrown in there against Colorado when Haynes King goes down, and he really struggled for the past month, you know, to the point that there, there were not many people still in his corner as far as believing he could be the guy. But he went in against Alabama, had a fantastic game, had by far the best game of his career. And a big part of that, too, was also the play of AM's offensive line. And that's a line that was going to be a question mark regardless going into the year. They were replacing four out of five starters from the, the 2020 squad. Just been riddled with injuries on top of that to the point that uh, I think there's only one guy on the line who is actually played you know in every snap of every game so far everyone else has missed at least some time several guys in multiple games and a is playing two true freshmen on the offensive line which is never the situation you want to be in but they shuffled that lineup again for alabama and i think maybe between finding the right combination of guys out there and maybe just those guys starting to gel as a unit and figure out their communication their blocking assignments things seem to click for that that unit. And when you have a good offensive line, when you have a quarterback that has time, then he can look like a different quarterback, just like he did against Alabama. So certainly as an A&M fan, you, you try to look at all that and you say, oh yeah, it's all the stuff that just, it finally worked and now it's going to be golden going forward. But I mean, I don't think we're out of the woods. I don't think that everything that happened in the games leading up to Alabama was a complete mirage. AM still has some issues that could rear their head. And we were at the point this time a week ago saying every game left on the schedule is losable, which may still be true. 
But on the flip side, after beating Alabama, you can also say, well, hey, maybe every game on the schedule is also winnable. Certainly, it is a mystery, and I think that's the big concern everybody has coming into uh, this Saturday's game because I think we do know what Missouri is, and Missouri is a deeply flawed team, particularly in the defensive front. And Texas A&M was ranked number six in the country at the beginning of the season for a reason. I mean, the, Jimbo Fisher has some horses for whatever reason, one thing after another, it hasn't gelled. Are you leaning one way or another? Do you think it is a team that has finally kind of figured things out? Or do you think that uh, that was sort of the perfect game, as you described? And, you know, I know we we're not going to know until after, you know, a few weeks. But, like, what what is your prediction? I mean, I think it's a mix of both because certainly – a lot of it was guys just playing better and guys, I think, getting more experience. But I think you also just had, this was a game that was marked on AM's calendar since the end of the 2020 season. You know, that loss to Alabama last year is what kept AM out of the playoff. So we know that, you know, they were looking forward to this game. They were probably game planning for this game long before just last week. I know AM, especially on the defensive side, did a lot of things last week that we really had not seen, particularly with, with blitzes. They were blitzing from everywhere and just doing things that they had not been doing in the previous five games. So, you know, part of it could just have just been they caught Alabama off guard um, by doing things that they had not yet put on film. But as you said, AM, I think, is top 10 in the country as far as team talent, if, if you believe uh, the rankings put out by 247 Sports. And at some point, you know, that team, whether it is injuries or inexperience, you had to hope that guys were going to kind of find their groove. So we're start, certainly hoping that happens. Uh, I still think they might may have some struggles along the way. I know a lot of AM fans now are getting super optimistic and talking about, well, if we can win out and finish 10 and two and who's, who knows what could happen, but there's a lot of football left to play. And this team has shown us, you know, while they, their ceiling is sky high, there's, there's a lot of things that can, that can go hay, haywire as well. So sure. For every Alabama, there's a Colorado, right? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, the, I think from a national perspective, people that are just sort of tuning in to what's happening in Texas A&M because of Saturday career backup, Zach Calzada played the game of his life, obviously. And you mentioned that he had been sort of embattled up to this point. What got into him? Like that, if you, like you said, if you had never watched Texas A&M play football until that game, you would think, Hey, he's a Heisman candidate. What got into him? And is he coming to Furrow Field on Saturday? <laughs> the biggest thing that I could identify was, and I forget who it was, but there was, you know, one of the kind of college football stats guys on Twitter at some point put out something and it was showing Calzada's accuracy and his numbers when he was under pressure versus when he wasn't under pressure. And the difference was stark. Like obviously everyone is going to look better when they're not under pressure, but his numbers were so polar opposites of each other. Like it's way past what the norm should be. And you look at that Alabama game, he wasn't sacked a single time. I don't think they even actually got technically a QB pressure all night long. If you looked at the previous month, Going after that, pretty much every Power 5 team we played, and even some of the non-Power 5 teams we played, I mean, he was running for his life on almost every play. I think it's, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that the biggest change in Calzada was just having time and actually feeling comfortable in the pocket and feeling like he had time to make his reads and make his throws. But I mean, I think some of that too is just a guy who got thrust in there when maybe he really wasn't ready for that moment, but... As he takes more snaps, as he gets more game reps and practice reps, you know, he's 
finding that rhythm. He's finding that groove and kind of settling in as the starting quarterback. What's your prediction then? Here we come. It's Saturday and a newly resurgent Texas A&M is going to take on a Missouri team that's trying to find answers on defense. Like, you know where I stand. I think that uh, the, the eight and a half, nine points is is easy money that Texas A&M is going to blow them out. But you've seen a lot more of these Aggies than I have, and you've seen the bad as well as the good. So wh- how do you see this playing out? I'm not going to say that we're not going to cover that spread when we just beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, obviously, you know, coming out, out of that, it's hard as an A&M fan, as an A&M graduate to not be supremely confident. Um, so if I'm making a pick, I'm definitely picking A&M because I'm like you, that, that that line does feel low. But that said, you know, I would have bet so much money if I was a betting person, which I'm really not. I would have bet so much money on Bama covering their 17 and a half point spread against us last week. So crazy things happen, especially, you know, it's an 11 a.m. game. It's AM's first true road game of the year. Our only other games away from Kyle Field have been uh, neutral sites in Denver against Colorado and then up in Arlington against Arkansas. So, I mean, so that can play a factor and you just, you never know how it's going to play out. But, but I do agree at the end of the day, I think AM seems like they're, they're finding a rhythm. And you mentioned Missouri's defensive struggles. And I think that combined with AM's defense really starting to show their strength in the past game or two. I think, I think AM should be able to, to handle Mizzou. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. The Jimbo Fisher comments earlier about uh, how he was going to beat Nick Saban before he retired and, and Nick Saban saying, in what golf? And uh, obviously the result of Saturday's game. How good do you think that felt for Jimbo Fisher to, ro- to see Nick Saban hang his head on the other side of that field and beat him in the year after he, you know, that whole thing happened? Yeah. Well, I'm, and I heard Jimbo talk about that comment recently. And he said, he was like, you know, that was just the, competitor in him coming out when and maybe something he like shouldn't have said but yeah i mean it's and he's right like i mean that's why he was hired at texas a&m he was hired here not to just like make us be good once saban is gone he was hired as someone that could come in and hopefully get a&m to that same level as alabama so obviously is that a tall task yeah but there were people that that laughed when he came here there were people that laughed when he made that comment but jimmo it hasn't been a perfect road. There's been bumps along the way, but you can't argue that AM is in just a incredibly different place than they were four years ago when Kevin Sullen was here. And Jimbo has AM on the right track. And as much as you know, climbing that mountaintop and getting to be the Alabamas or the Georgias of the world is incredibly difficult. But you know, AM is as close to that as they have been in a very, very long time. Poor Kevin Sumlin, kind of just going down in history as the uh, the prototype for um, just a dud of a coach. Just always refer to Kevin Sumlin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, and, and I loved Kevin Sumlin was here when he was here. Obviously, we would have loved for him to have succeeded. And I think there were some things that he had he handled differently, had things gone differently, especially with the uh, the whole quarterback saga with. Kyler Murray and Kyle Allen, you know, both of those guys on campus, then both transferring out. It really is a shame because by all accounts, he was a great guy. He did things the right way. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's any AM fan that is regretting moving on from Kevin Sumlin and <laughs> getting Jimbo Fisher. Sure, I can imagine. So thank you so much. Again, Robert Barons, he's the managing editor at goodbullhunting.com. He's going to be writing up about this game and Texas AM all season long. Thank you for being on the show. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. 
better than a football game. And then we're gonna show them all a thing or two. We're gonna demonstrate just what a champion can do. Yeah, seventy-five miles until we get to heaven. Seventy-five miles until our plans are Well, there you have it, Colin. Uh, my concern after listening to that interview is that he said, you know, their quarterback is two different guys, depending on whether he's getting pressure or not. If he's got time to throw, he looks great. And then he's under pressure. And when he's under heat, he really screws the pooch. And if we're putting it all on our defensive line's capability to turn the tide, we're in trouble. Getting a quarterback off their spot's pretty important. And Mizzou has, to this point uh, this season, not had that ability. So, I mean, I'd hate to be, let's feel like I'm bagging on Mizzou, but I mean, they are, they've been bad. I mean, historically bad, worst in the country. So there were signs of life last week in the defense, but it was against North Texas. So, but even yeah, the and there's only North, one half. North Texas moved the ball and Jesus Christ, we give up 500 yards of offense. I mean, I just, it's hard to find any optimism right now. And basically the, the one place we look for optimism was the offense. And, you know, while Tyler Beatty has continued to be Tyler Beatty, you know, Bazelak has looked bad and, uh, the offense has been stagnant. The, the play calling is, been lateral most of the time <laughs> like instead of yeah, going yeah. you know north and south and it's that's disheartening i mean everything's disheartening i'm sad well the thing too is that texas a.m does have a legitimate defense for all their shakiness on other areas they've got a good defense and that's bad news for us and you know robert Barron thinks that he's we are a bad matchup for texas a.m because of our screen passes and such but I don't know. It looks the other way to me. It looks like if if their quarterback needs time, we're going to give them all the time in the world. They have a strong running core, and we can't stop the run, and they have a good defense, and our offense has been sputtering. It, it makes me nervous, too. But like I said, and the other thing, too, Colin, you said there's signs of life against North Texas, but you know, the second half of that game, we gave up a lot of points, and that's way different than the SEMO game. We gave up 35 against SEMO, but a lot of that was backup crew, which just told us we don't have a lot of depth, but we played our starters up until the last possession against North Texas. And it was our starters who were giving up those chunk plays. And I say we can't give up chunk plays tomorrow, but we're going to. You know we're going to. We can't stop chunk plays. We haven't shown the ability to. But I wanted to know what you thought about the Chad Bailey versus Blaze Aldridge move because you kept saying despite leading the team in tackles and blah, 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 and getting sacks early. He just was undersized and <laughs> incapable of making the big tackles. And Chad Bailey did, you know, he, he looked better. Yeah, He looked better. He looked better. And Chad Bailey's going to be here next year, and, and Blaze Aldridge isn't. And listen, since that first game, he's not just been – like I said, I, I, I screened it into the mic on one of our – he's bad. I I'd mentioned I like I hate to be that negative about a, the, a player, but you watch him play football, and he was <laughs> – you know, yeah, he led the team in tackles some games, but that's by virtue of our defensive line never tackling anybody. And so he just racking them up by virtue of being the middle linebacker, but nothing about what the, his play was impressive. I mean, he was missing as many tackles as he was making. He was, he was just getting swallowed whole by, uh, blocks. I mean, he couldn't get off a block to save his life. I mean, he just looked, you know, he looks like a division three linebacker. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I'm sure at Rice, he was pretty good. Put him on CMO's roster and for most of the fucking conference schedule, he'll be great. 
But in the SEC, that guy's too pipsqueak to play a linebacker. Yeah, and we don't have enough time to uh, feed him more. You know what I mean? He's gone, like you say, after this year. So the size he is is the size we got. You know? Yep. Anyway, it's a like I said, it's another eleven o'clock start time for us. People belly aching about the eleven o'clock start time. I mean, frankly, you just got to be you got to be more appealing to a national audience, and you got to win a few games if you want to see a game at six p.m. It ain't happening this year, folks. No, no, it sure isn't. But there are a lot of AM people. I mean, they travel well. We've seen that in the past, obviously. But I also think that they're as high as they've been in years after that Alabama win, as well as should be. But they're coming to, I think, just get an easy. Easy W here is what they're thinking. Maybe it won't happen. I hope it doesn't, but they're certainly here and ready to watch it. Yeah, it's like when you're buying tickets to the football game during the season. Like before the season, you're like, ooh, I want to buy tickets to that Texas A&M game because Texas A&M is supposed to be really good. Mizzou will be good by then. It will be a good matchup. But yeah. then you get this yeah, deep in the yeah. season. You're like, you know what? I'm going to skip the Texas A&M game, and I'm going to buy tickets to South Carolina. <laughs> Texas A&M is doing the same thing. They're like, we want to buy tickets to Mizzou because we want to go take a trip and watch an easy win. We don't want to waste a bunch of money to get our heads kicked in. But you know, they're going to work <laughs> Mizzou. Let's go watch a f- fun football game. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember like maybe in the summer, a couple idiots running a stupid podcast with a stupid name saying, oh, you know, we could be 6-0 and by the time that A&M game comes around. That could be a national factor in the SEC. <laughs> What a well, couple of morons those were. In their defense, they didn't know our defense would be Hobocom. Hobocom. <laughs> it's true enough. True enough. So we have glossed over the fact that AM is a flawed team. They are clearly not the you know the team that they thought they would be at this point, despite that big win against Alabama. So there are reasons to believe. And anything can happen in college football. And I do think that we're going to slowly improve in defense this year, even if it doesn't show up on the scoreboard because we're playing increasingly more difficult teams. But I think maybe some of the embarrassing, just complete blown assignments, bad plays will start to get fewer and fewer. I don't know. I'm hopeful. There's reasons to believe. You know what I mean? Changes are being made. The guys are getting accustomed to their job, blah, blah, blah. I'm not ruling out a win. I'm not going to forecast one either. I'm ruling it (laughs) out. Okay, what do you think the score is going to be? Oh, 31-17. I think it's a really good guess, honestly, because I, I, if, all I had to cha- if I had to go a different route than you in any direction, I think a will score more. I think that, that our defense will be overmatched. But the, the Alabama hangover thing, I think, is real. Talk to Robert Barron, and, and you can hear it in his voice. Like he did, He's overlooking the Missouri game. I mean, you know, he said he hadn't watched a minute of Mizzou football. Can't hardly blame him. But you know, like they're basking in this win, a lot of them. And if any of that permeates the locker room, and I don't know that it will, but if any of it does, that could really help us. Yeah, no, I mean that there is a there is always a chance that there's a hangover, and uh, sort of we're going to overlook Mizzou. We just beat Alabama. Mizzou's terrible, you know. And um, I hope they're treating it like Robert Barron is, you know, as in not worth my time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. Because it, when we have been this bad, the good news is if you do have a little talent that we haven't seen, you can sandbag, and this would be a great game to sandbag because then it could be a famous trap game. It's a trap. Yep. Well, here's here's hoping to that, Colin. Eleven o'clock Saturday, we'll be there for it. I'm going to uh, keep my hand on my whiskey, but my hand off the Twitter box. How about that? I think that's a wise policy. <laughs> All right. M-I-Z. you. Come, hobo, come. Good dog. <laughs> <laughs>